0: visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge, with your host, Marcia Zeidel. Learn to create a growth agenda to get your business on the right track and keep it there. Rev up your growth engine with exceptional talent and develop the right kind of leadership to move it forward fast. Now, here is Marcia Zeidel.
2: Welcome to the Business Edge, giving practical advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders and how to take your company firm or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, <clears throat> how to take the growing pains out of growth. I'm Marcia Zeidel, your Smart Moves coach, getting you on the right track, keeping you on the right track, and making sure you don't get sidetracked. Let's start with a Smart Moves quote from Richard Branson, CEO of Virgin Airlines. He said, I wanted to be an editor or a journalist. I wasn't really interested in being an entrepreneur. But I soon found I had to become an entrepreneur in order to keep my magazine going. For some of you out there, being an entrepreneur was not what you had planned. It just happened because an opportunity arose or a challenge needed to be dealt with. My guest today, Cindy Reagan Smith, is one of those unattended unintended entrepreneurs. She was a healthcare professional who assumed full ownership of a Christian Brothers automotive franchise in Dallas five years ago. She naively jumped into a male-dominated, negative retail business with little business experience nor an accounting, marketing, or management background. You will learn what took her by surprise, how she navigated the bumps in the road, and how her sense of humor and faith in God served as survival tools. Welcome, Cindy. I'm so pleased to have you on the show.
3: Oh, Thank you, Marsha. I'm glad to be here. Very excited.
2: Well, let's get right into it. The title of this program is From Healthcare to Auto Repair. What a Ride! How did you get from health care to auto repair? What is your story in a couple of sentences?
3: Well, I'm not sure if I fell in or jumped in. I was ready for a change after being a nurse for 35 years. I never had the goal to own a business, but when my husband and I divorced several years ago, we owned two Christian Brothers locations. So he took one, and I took the other, and off we went. <laughs>
2: And just full dic- uh, disclosure to the listeners, I am one of uh, Cindy's customers. In fact, my whole family is. So I know um, what it's like, you know, to be a customer. And we will get into that uh, a little later. Uh, but I wouldn't be having her on if I didn't think she gave excellent customer service. So with that plug, <laughs> I will move on. Um you know, we talked about this and you said that um, you would think that we're talking about totally different businesses, health care, automotive repair, uh, but are they really that different?
3: Well, in some ways, there are a lot of similarities. Uh, People's bodies have different systems. They're cardiac, respiratory, uh, and people's cars have systems. So that was kind of an easy transition for me. And when you're taking care of patients, you're also taking care of their families. Uh, Cars have families, too. So that was definitely something that was the same for me. Um, And like... Healthcare—it's kind of a negative retail. We think of our shop as the dentist office for cars. Nobody really wants to be here. Patients don't really want to be sick. So that's um, another really common thread. And you can always help people. Um, I think in any job that you're in, you're always looking for ways to help people. We give shuttle rides back and forth to work or home.
2: Right, um, and you know, um, I found it so interesting because, um, a- as I said, um, you are the car repair a shop for my car and my husband's car, etc., and uh, this shuttle, um, you know, th- the idea of having this shuttle, which is uh, you-, you pick people up, you take them back to where they're home or to their job, I've been in your shuttle several times, And it would it surprised me because I would think that you would have one of your staff shuttle people around, but you do it. Why do you? I try to to do
3: it. I do try to do most of it because it gives me an opportunity to form relationships with the customers, and I enjoy it. a lot and, of times we even pick them up from their home and take them to work in the morning if we've had to keep their car unexpectedly overnight.
2: Right. And so um, I know um, that's how I got to, to, to know Cindy um, because she would be shuttling me back and forth from their shop to my home and, and pick me up. And I really got to know your philosophy of of business and your philosophy of customer service. And we are going to get into that because I think it's so important. Um, But, you know, you talked about the similarities um, between um, healthcare and car repair, but there also must be differences. I mean, you know, to me, it's just there are two worlds. Uh, So what might be some of those differences?
3: Well, my favorite difference is that I can bring my dogs to work every day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and tell the listeners, what kind of dogs do you have?
3: I have a Bashan named Chloe and an Askin Hound, Mr. Chairman. And he is the chairman of the board.
2: And and I know you brought the dogs to work um, for yourself, but what does it do do for the customers?
3: Oh, the customers love it, and um, it's really great for the employees, too. It's like, you know, therapy dogs, you know, within a hospital situation or a nursing home. The pets always bring a different level of kind of a personal home feeling.
2: Right, and so um, you know, uh, so you said that one of the major differences, and it's a really good difference, is that you can <coughs> bring your dogs. What other differences are there between health care and car
3: on a more serious note, you know you can't give report to the next shift when you walk out the door. So I definitely feel a responsibility for the people that work for me and their families, and we have to run a business so that um, we can take care of our families. Uh, another thing that is really different is that generally people trust their healthcare professionals, but this is an industry that has a negative reputation. And so being able to talk with people and get them to trust us is, you know, a, a A really positive factor, you know, in a negative industry. Uh, Another thing that's different is that I actually have some authority. That I I can remember this one gentleman that uh, left with tears in his eyes. He had had surgery. He'd been out of work. He needed his truck to start work the following week, and he just didn't have the money for the repairs. And when he walked out, I thought, "Oh, that poor man." I said. You know, he really needs some help. And I thought, well, you own a repair shop, fix his truck. So I had the guys calling back and he had to pull over to the side of the road. He was crying so hard when we told him, bring the truck back, we're going to fix it for you. So it was and, nice to be able to do that for people.
2: Right. And, you know, there are three key points that I I, I would like to, maybe to to talk about a little further when you said some of the differences. Um, Uh, one key point I think this is true of 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 for entrepreneurs and business owners Um, when you are an employee um, you're done with your shift and not that you don't care about the patients but you know that's not your responsibility you leave the shift you go home but when you are owner of a business you are responsible for that business and for the people for your employees so you know Can you say a little more about that?
3: Well... It makes you want to do everything that you do well, because I count so much on the team that I have here, and they're just wonderful people, and, you know, I want them to have a great income, and they do so much for me that I want to give back to them. So, you know, I want them to make money. I want to have volume so that I can pay bonuses. Um, it's, It's just something that you think about, and if you're not careful, you can certainly get get trapped into coming into work every weekend and taking it home with you. Uh, Sometimes you really have to set boundaries and, you know, limit yourself to the Monday through Friday unless there's an extreme circumstance.
2: Right. And I know we're going to get into some of those lessons learned uh, a little later. The other thing you said, and it it really is so important, is that – uh, the, the auto repair business does not have a great reputation, no. and so um we 've all experienced some you know negative things so when i so you said you have to build trust uh with your customers um, ha, How do you do that? What were some of the things you did because I know you build trust with me, so can you tell the uh, listeners how you build trust?
3: Well, our philosophy is that we don't fix it if it's not broken. And being a Christian business, um, I think, opens the door for people to want to trust us. And we have had customers from other faiths come to us saying that they came to us because we're Christian and that they appreciate our values. So I think, you know, you have to just do the right thing all the time no matter what's going on in your business and if something happens and you make a mistake we make
2: it right right and and i've experienced that and and you know this can be a topic for another show which is um it goes back to the old fashion of of you know years ago you went to the same grocer and you went to the same dry cleaner and you went to the same car repair because you had a relationship with, um, with your customers. And I think f- talking from my own experience, that's what you do. You build a relationship and you start building that relationship when you're taking – when you're shuttling your, yeah. cust- your customers back and forth. I understand that, and I think that 's an important point to get across to the listeners. Well, you know, um, we are coming up for uh, a short break, and so uh, what we 're going to get into when you when we come back is um, you know uh, how did you make that that transition from from nursing? to uh to being an entrepreneur and what skills did you did you take from one area to another because so many people are making career changes and there are entrepreneurs who were employed by a company and now are are self-employed so let's take a quick break and we'll come back with with cindy
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to marcia at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge.
2: Welcome back, listeners. This is Marsha Zotto, your Smart Moves Coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth. My guest today is Cindy Reagan-Smith, talking about lessons learned as an unattended uh, entrepreneur, in other words, going from healthcare care to auto repair. And when we left off, I said that, you know, we talked about the similarities and the differences between health care and uh, car repair, but this is for people who are making that transition. They've been employed in a certain profession, and now they want to be self-employed. And I'm sure there are skills and experiences that you have transferred from nursing where you were in OBGYN, outpatient surgery, ER, hospice. Wow, what a career in nursing. And now you are the owner of a car repair shop, car maintenance. So what were some of those things that you transferred?
3: Well, I think one of the most important things is that, No matter what you're doing, you have to have a passion for it. Mm -hmm. And although I never really had a passion for cars or car maintenance, um, I do have a passion for taking care of people. And, you know, we provide, you know... a a critical service, I mean, it's, it's very dangerous, obviously, if your car is not in great condition because we depend on our cars so much. So, you know, I have a passion for being sure that things are well done. Uh, time management is another thing that um, really helps me because Things are different every day, and there's always a juggling act to meet someone's uh, schedule limitations. Um, It's important to be a good listener, and that's not only listening to the customers who often share a lot of struggles that they're going through, especially, you know, at the counter or when you're... um, in the shuttle with them, especially my hospice experience has come in um, innumerable times talking to people who have uh, critically ill relatives or have experienced a loss, um, and it's important to listen to the employees, mm-hmm. and that has made a huge difference in uh, building this business.
2: And I think when we talked, you also mentioned the idea of empathy because I can tell you when my car is not working, I am not a happy camper.
3: (laughs) Yes. I mean,
2: this is definitely a
3: people business. It's not really a car business. I say that, you know, taking care of people is what we do. We just fix cars in the background. Um, When you really... When someone has had a frightening experience with their car, say they overheated and got stranded, Uh, maybe they had um, some kind of issue that they were frightened, Mm -hmm. and they really don't want to talk about the car. You know, they wanted somebody to say, how are you? Oh, that must have been so frightening for you. Are you okay? And then the car is secondary
2: right and I remember you telling me that you have to teach your technicians that uh, yeah, <laughs> want to talk a little bit about that? Well, I think that you know this is definitely a
3: male-dominated field, and women tend to be probably a little more sensitive to feelings. And I I want the guys to talk about their feelings. <laughs> you know, sometimes that doesn't go over real well, but they have they're learning.
2: <laughs> right, and I think what they're learning is to say something like. Yes, your car needs X, Y, Z, you know, whatever it is, and and um, I'm sure, you know, you'll be very happy when it's fixed, or I understand that you are concerned that you get it, we get it back to you by a certain time. Oh, that, you know, and that's critical, too.
3: Yes. Because people need their cars to pick up kids, and I mean, if something happens, it's unexpectedly, that we don't have the car ready, then we'll get in the shuttle and we'll go pick them up and then we'll go pick up the kids and take them home. (laughs) (laughs) I've done it (laughs) many times.
2: Well, I haven't tried that yet, Cindy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, you talked about, you know, um, some of the, the skills and I think that's important. What skills you bring, whatever career you were in, you bring to your new career. But You know, there's also the challenges uh, when you move from one career or in one uh, area to another, and especially when you're moving from being employed to self-employment, when you're moving from a corporate or professional career uh, to being an entrepreneur and to running a business. So what were some things that you had to learn in order to run your business successfully? What were some of the challenges you faced?
3: One of, I I never knew how much I did not know. Um, I mean, I knew nothing about the finances of a business. Um, I mean, I figured it was like at home, you know, you paid the rent, you paid the electric bill. I had absolutely no idea what profit margins were. You know, as a nurse, you never had to worry about that. Someone else was worrying about that. And I didn't know what gross profit was, what net profit. Margins for labor, parts markup, um, even general accounting. I had no idea. i I'd never heard of QuickBooks in my life. I, My only experience with, pay, with payroll was getting a paycheck. I had absolutely no idea about all the different things there were to running a business.
2: So how did you learn that?
3: Well... I got uh, tremendous support from others in the business, and especially um, through our home office accounting department. And they really... just took me by the hand, and, I mean, I had to learn what accounts to write checks from. I never knew that there was a merchant account that the credit card payments went into and that there's an operating account and a separate payroll account. And what is an accrual? I had no idea you had to accrue (laughs) for property taxes. I mean, it was all a huge surprise.
2: And how did you – I mean – uh, obviously, there was a certain amount of insecurity or lack of confidence. I mean, anyone who try, who has to learn a completely new skill set and new knowledge, what got you through it besides the help from home office?
3: It would have to be it would have to be a sense of humor and uh, the guys just rallying around me. And you know, I did have. Some time with another owner, but I can remember specifically when someone stood at the counter and said, Cindy, this vendor's waiting for a check. And I'm thinking, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I have to open up the system with somebody standing there waiting, go through the process of printing a check. Now it seems hilarious to me because I could do it in my sleep, but at the time it was, yes, yeah, very, very insecure
2: um And then we also talked about since you had knew nothing <laughs> and you about cars, <laughs> how did you learn about cars? And you had some you had some funny stories. So
3: well, I always say that if you ever see me under the hood, call nine one one because I've either fallen in or I've gone in after somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but i mean yeah it's it's been a real trip um i another rather embarrassing moment was when a customer was talking to me about problems with her cooling system and you know i'm not thinking radiator overheating things that happen with a cooling system i'm thinking of the air conditioner so i said well it's a good thing we have a few more months before the weather
2: gets hot <laughs> And what was the customer's reaction to that? She just kind of looked at me.
3: (laughs) I'm not sure we really talked specifically, but then I finally kind of figured out what she was talking about and thinking, oh, yes. So I have not made that mistake again.
2: Right. Um, How much... What I'm thinking is you had, I believe, once when you bought the business, uh, you, you continued having some of the key technicians with you there. And yes. I had two quick qu- questions. How did they react to you with your lack of knowledge, and then how did they help you?
3: You know, they really knew that... I cared about them and that I had a completely different management style than what they were accustomed to so they were very thankful for that and um I have just surrounded myself with experts in the industry and I respect them and I know that they feel that respect and uh, we just kind of take care of each other. They, I never make decisions without getting their input. And that not only gets everybody on board if we're trying to do something in a new direction, but, you know, many times uh, my bright idea might not have made a lot of sense, and we might need to tweak that a little bit. So I, I definitely want
2: their input, and they like that. And... Um... So, so, you, and I've noticed that you have um, people, and we're going to get into this with the lessons learned, but, but the idea of having experts and key people who know the business, and you have some that have been in the business, what, 35, 30-plus 30 years? I oh, believe. yes, definitely,
3: definitely. We have over 100 years of combined automotive expertise in this shop alone, and I think most Christian Brothers locations probably are very similar to that
2: right and did uh, we have about a minute left is there anything else that you can talk about about you know um, some of the challenges you faced um, or an interesting story about learning about cars um, or dealing with customers Um, anything come to your mind
3: one of the things that happens frequently in this business is that They say, well, this never happened before I came here, and I wasn't really tuned in to that, that um, that there are a lot of people that really don't understand cars and don't understand how different the makes and models can be and how things may lead to something else or be completely unrelated. So there's a lot of educating that
2: goes on at the counter. Well, I think this is a great time for a short break. This is Marcia Zidle, your Smart Moves Coach, and when we come back, my guest Cindy Reagan Smith is going to give us the lessons learned. These are these are gems. These are uh, of wisdom that she wants to pass on to other entrepreneurs. So stay tuned.
0: What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com.
1: You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send us an email to marcia at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to the Business Edge.
2: Welcome back to the Business Edge. This is Marcia Zotto, your Smart Moves Coach. And my guest today is Cindy Reagan Smith. And she is going to get into the lessons learned um, as an unintended entrepreneur. Um, And just to uh, bring you up to speed, we talked about that she was a nurse for 35 years and she went from health care to automotive repair ownership. So, uh, Cindy, um, now that it's five years and I'm sure there have been many lessons learned, what are some of those that you can help others who are starting out or considering owning a business
3: I think everyone always hears, you know, hire for attitude, train for skills. Mm-hmm. This is um crucial, especially if you are in a position that I am that I'm not an automotive expert. You really need to surround yourself with people who have strengths other than your own. And in order for me to know that I was hiring the right person, I always had my service manager with me during the interview, and since he has the automotive background, he would really conduct most of the interview, and I would be there to observe and kind of get a feel and maybe tell some about the history of Christian Brothers, but um I would never really make an independent decision because have been around this industry for so long that they can really rely on their gut feeling, just as I did when I was in the emergency room. You really learn to trust your instincts about people and what's going on. So I never hired someone without input from someone else and then it's also very sensible if you're hiring someone that's going to be working directly with another employee be sure that employee wants to work with that person
2: so you're not only getting a sense you have the service manager in and you're not only getting a sense of of that the person's competency which is important, but probably a sense of their their attitudes, their character. Can they work with other people? Am I correct on that? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's um, they need
3: to spend time with that person. So we'll even have them talk, you know, with the technicians. And um, we can't have a weak link because our customer service is only as good as our reputation and if you have someone there that is not performing to your expectations, then that can be a negative on your business and then it goes right back to being responsible for the employees and their families
2: right so you know you came back to that again that when you are it's a key point when you are in, when it's your own business uh, not only do you want to preserve and enhance your reputation because it's going to bring in more business but you're concerned about your staff because yeah. if you yes and um, and i think it's because you know you you if you do well they do well right Yes, and another
3: thing that uh, is very different about having your own business compared to nursing, um, sometimes it was not the best environment. And a lot of times that had nothing to do with the patients or their families, but maybe the uh, hospital politics or supervisors that have been promoted because they know a lot about the nursing specialty, but maybe not how to manage people. So one of my um, favorite things is creating an environment that I've always wanted to work in. And when we have interviews, we tell people about that, that it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to have a bad day as long as that doesn't make someone else have a bad day. Um it's always okay to say if you don't know something because we want to trust when you say you do know something. So it uh, really is a family type of environment.
2: And the other thing that I noticed as I walked in, and maybe this is the woman's touch or maybe it is part of Christian Brothers, but um it, it's very inviting. You have yeah. you have fer- lovely furniture. You have plants. You have bookcases. You have co- a place for coffee and you have your dogs there. I don't feel for me not knowing much about cars, I d- I feel welcome and and not intimidated as a woman. Was that a conscious decision on your part or was it just Absolutely. part of Actually
3: pre- It's part of the fundamental philosophy of Christian Brothers because so many times, even um, in a couple relationship, the woman is responsible for bringing the car in. So Mark Carr, the founder of Christian Brothers, wanted it to seem like a comfortable doctor's office waiting room. And, you know, I have put, you know, a few little touches of my own. I have the rocking chair that I rocked my daughter in when she was little in the lobby because I didn't have any place to put it at home. So there, you know, definitely a few little touches. And I think each individual owner probably does that themselves.
2: And I think when we talked about the the, uh, creating a uh, and fostering a positive work environment and so different from um, what the hospital environment is, one of the things you said is that you wanted your workers to feel appreciated. And I know having worked with many managers and supervisors, they are not bad managers or bad supervisors. They just don't realize the importance of, showing appreciation and thanking people and everything like that. Tell me some of the things you do to show appreciation to your staff.
3: Well, I buy lunch once in a while, and we always celebrate someone's birthday with a lunch. And any time a new employee starts, we have a lunch together. Um, I thank them. I set... Um, Bonus systems to show that, you know, on the busy weeks when everybody's really having to work harder, that uh, people are compensated for that. Um, Just telling them thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes after a week, whether it's a great week or a not-so-great week, on Friday when I get home, I'll put out a text to everybody. And it's fun seeing people bounce back and forth, encouraging each other, and sharing in successes. And um, it, it's just a real, like I say it's a family outing every week when we come here.
2: And is that part of Christian Brothers' philosophy as well?
3: Yes, it really is. It really is. And that's one of the weekends' uh, reasons why we're not open on the weekends is because uh, Christian Brothers wants that time to be with families.
2: And you know I have uh, I have two thoughts about that I think it's great you know, I really do, but from the customer's point of view, I'd love to bring it in on us. I know, sometimes
3: it really works out, and that's why we encourage people to take advantage of our shuttle because, you know, we can take you home or to work, and then you can spend something your know, time doing something else on the weekend besides having your car fixed. So we try to look at it positively, but I know that sometimes, you know, it is a problem, and we definitely appreciate people waiting for us until Monday if that's possible.
2: And then the other thing that you, you know, when we talked about some of the lessons learned, you said the importance of life-work balance. Um, talk about that.
3: It is, there is always something to do. You can always come in on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, and I really fell into that habit And suddenly I just realized that this was all I was doing, that I didn't really have a life. So I set the boundaries that unless it was really an emergency situation, and there really aren't that many of them, uh, that I don't come in. On the weekends, I've even carved out time to do the flowers in the containers at the front door during the week and not coming up on a weekend to do that. Um, Another thing, too, besides physically not coming is you have to turn off your brain because it's so easy to let some of your challenges or goals absorb your thoughts at home. And then it's just, you know, too much.
2: Yeah, I think this is a real, a common problem of of anyone who owns their own business. They feel the sense of responsibility. Uh, they want to see it to grow. And yet, and so, it, you know, it consumes them. Um, yes. And... Uh, It's not healthy. Uh, So besides just turning it off, do you do certain things during the weekend or even during the week that helps you turn it off?
3: Oh, I think that any anytime you have an exercise program or you know active in my church um i love to go to the lake on the weekends and um you know enjoy a fire pit, you know just totally relax, get away, think about
2: other things um, and and then you also talked about prioritizing um how do you, you know, what's your what's your way of prioritizing? How do you determine what's important, what isn't important, and has that been a difficulty for you? You know, it
3: really hasn't. There are certain deadlines that have to be met, and we have, uh, i say one of my main priorities is getting customers where they need to be when they need to be there. And sometimes, uh, sometimes I can be driving in the shuttle from six to eight hours a day, but that is the priority. And, you know, we always put the customers first, and, um, and then everything else, just has, you know, a secondary place. And if I have deadlines that have to be met, then I've got a service team that is awesome that can back me up on doing some of the driving.
2: And, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm also looking at, to come back to um, the importance of your reputation. Um, I grew up in a time uh, where, Reputation, especially of small businesses, was really important. I can remember I grew up uh, where my father owned a grocery store and uh, uh when he passed away, customers would come and tell tell me all the things that he did for them and and I really learned something about that. Uh, we just have a couple more minutes uh What's your thought about reputation and why it's important?
3: Everything depends on your reputation, and we don't expect to be perfect, mm-hmm. but we will do the right thing, and that we want people to be able to trust that, and when people trust us and have confidence in us to refer their friends or their family, that is you know, one of the greatest compliments we can have.
2: And um again, it, I would imagine that this is part of Christian Brothers' uh, philosophy as well. Am I like, you know?
3: Yes, yes. And you should be able to walk into any Christian Brothers location and have the same level of trust and that you're going to get a quality job at a competitive price and um, be able to trust what they tell you about your car
2: and um you know final thoughts anything that we hadn't covered that you know you'd like to talk about i mean we can we can go over let me just do some of the things you know some of the thoughts that you and i talked about doing the right thing uh talking with your customers to find out the problems and satisfactions not having a weak link in reference to the technicians um be passionate about what you do, um, and trusting others, trusting your technicians to make, um, to make decisions. Um, Anything else that you have on your mind? that you One know, of the some... things
3: that I never really realized when I first, I think I was so consumed with all the things I didn't know, that I didn't pay close attention oh. to local marketing. So I would definitely encourage someone to learn from someone who is an expert in their business what it takes to do marketing on a local level.
2: Well, at that point, it's time for a quick break, and when we come back, Cindy is going to talk about how to contact her, uh, maybe a little bit about her business, because I think it's really important that um, if if you have questions, to, to ask her. She is very easy to talk to, as you can see, so let's take a break. Thank you.
4: Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio.
1: Now, back to The Business Edge.
2: Welcome back, listeners. My guest is Cindy Reagan-Smith, and she's going to talk quickly about Christian Brothers and uh, what they are about. So, Cindy.
3: Christian Brothers was established in 1982 when a technician who couldn't find an honest shop to work in approached Mark Carr, who was in his Sunday school class, with the idea that they should build a shop. They did, and uh, that is how Christian Brothers got its name, two men in the same Sunday school class. Uh, We have grown to over 120 stores in 14 states. There are franchise opportunities available and you have such a support team from the home office and from other franchise owners um, I invite you to visit our website CBAC dot com. There are many businesses that fail in the first year, but we are proud in our 30-year history that we have a 100% store success level. We have a high level of customer satisfaction and owner satisfaction, and we're just really all passionate about uh, doing unto others as we would have them do unto us.
2: Well, thank you so much, Cindy, for this great information. And now we are going to have an, uh, my next week's guest is Russ Riddle, and he's going to be talking about Corral, your cash cow. Russ?
5: Hey, Marcia.
2: Hey. Can you, so uh, can you tell the, um, the listeners you're going to be on uh, December 4th, what are some of the um, – about two minutes' worth of what is it that you're going to be talking about?
3: All
5: right. I'm really excited about the discussion because your listeners, as business owners, their most valuable asset, aside from their people, is their intellectual property. That's their cash cow. And our talk will saddle them up to better protect, manage, and fatten that cash cow and also help them from inadvertently rustling others' cash cows. Sometimes we uh, step on other people's intellectual property without realizing it, so I'll help them avoid that uh, downfall. We'll distinguish between some intellectual property types. Uh, One of the key things that I want to talk about is to help them ensure that they have ownership from the outset. Unfortunately, in using independent contractors, which, you know, everyone does these days, you have to be very, very careful to make sure that you actually, under the law, own that material that they have created for you. Even if you and the independent contractor have agreed that you do, that may not be enough. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some uh, copyrights, uh, The doing the copyright right if you will and avoiding some things uh mastering the trademark do's and don'ts there's very distinct things you want to do and avoid when using your trademarks we're going to help them uh, preserve protect and defend their own ip we're going to help them avoid landmines of public domain sometimes we assume things are in the public domain when in fact they're not uh, thanks to the internet a lot has been uh trampled on. So we'll capitalize and and, uh, comply with licensing opportunities. We'll help them leverage their cash cow, which is their greatest asset. I'm eager for the discussion.
2: Well, thank you so much, Russ, and I look forward to having you on December 4th, uh, 11 p.m. uh, um, Pacific, and 2 p.m. Eastern.
5: I look forward to it as well. Thank you, Marcia.
1: It's time for Marsha's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth.
2: Does your business suffer from the dreaded disease, Siloitis? Dan, an accounting manager, told me during coaching about his latest frustration. He said, in our office, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. So we get calls from customers whose accounts are wrong. They say they paid on time. We don't have the record, and we charge them extra fees. Of course, they are hopping mad. We talked to sales, who said they sent in the paperwork, and then the blame game starts. As we talked, I found out the problem was this dreaded disease called siloitis. These are the symptoms. Missed deadlines, increased customer complaints about unresponsive service, vital information not being passed on, duplication of work, and constant bickering. Siloitis is easy to identify but difficult to solve. That's because each department, division, business unit, or team focuses only on its own work. As a result, each operates in a way to achieve its own objectives, which can lead to unintended consequences, preventing others from achieving theirs. Whether you call it siloitis, or us versus them, or communication bottlenecks, it needs to be dealt with quickly. Here are three suggestions I gave to Dan to get the accounting and sales department working more effectively with each other. First, just start talking, playing, eating together. Have once a week or month free all-you-can-eat pizza lunch. Set it up so people from different work groups sit together. Have contests that get them working with each other. Use fun to break down barriers. Two, build teamwork. Properly conducted team building between departments can dramatically improve how they communicate and work with each other. The focus should always be on problem solving, not finger pointing. On top of everyone's mind should be this. How can we work better together to serve our customers better? And three, improve communication flow. Sometimes we don't have the right information to do much or either it's too much or too little or to do our jobs well. Here's a solution. Each work group develops an information chart to share with others. The chart has three columns labeled need to have, nice to have, don't need to have. It can also state the frequency and quantity of needed information. In a recent team building effort, I heard these comments. You mean you didn't need that report? Wow, not doing it every week saves us at least five hours. Or you really need that? Hmm, let's see what we can do. So, listeners, here's that Smart Moves tip. If you see symptoms of siloitis in your business, act quickly. One simple remedy is to have regular, let's see how we're doing and how we can do better meetings to resolve the glitches, slips-ups, delays that get in the way of providing excellent service throughout your organization. It also will result in building better cooperation within and between groups so that work gets done in new and better ways. Listeners, how well do you serve your customers? Find out with a quick quiz, send an email to Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com with the word customer in the subject line or call me, 972-380-9181.
1: You're listening to Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach. Making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability.
2: Thank you for listening. Tune in every week, 11 Pacific, for The Business Edge with Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves executive coach and speaker. Helping entrepreneurs and business leaders take their company firm or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth.
1: You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marcia Zeidel. Please join us again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And enjoy taking your business to the next level.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel.